Brian Bancroft, welcome to Sunday Night at the TSO. Thank you so much. I understand your upcoming performance with the TSO is, in a certain respect, uh, picking up where you left off because it was uh, with you that the TSO was rehearsing when everything shut down back in March of 2020. Uh, Since then, so much has happened. But I'm curious to know, what was it like to hear the news that the concert would not go on? It was very surreal and bizarre, of course. I mean, I I just so happened to be in Toronto whilst that was happening, I I was stepping in for a colleague. Um, When I got the call to come to the TSO, I was incredibly grateful, of course, just because I was able to get to make music when a lot of things seemed to be falling down around all of us. And then it was just so rudely but understandably taken away from all of us. It was heartbreaking. But at the same time, what we did have was very special. Well, we look forward to you resuming that relationship with the TSO. But in the meantime, what have you been up to? Now that a lot of the world has started moving again, of course, I've been back to work. I've been back making music, which, of course, is the thing that I love. I've been working with my own bands that I get to call home, which is also really great. And this pandemic has allowed us to explore repertoire that we typically would not explore I've learned a lot of music that I didn't think I was going to. So I'm very happy about that. Now, a bit about you, if you don't mind me saying your age. You're 32, is that right? Correct. So kind of young by conductor standards, but pandemic notwithstanding, your career appears to be blossoming. You took up the principal conductor post of the BBC National Orchestra of Wales at the start of last season. And just a few months ago, the Royal Stockholm Philharmonic named you their chief conductor beginning next year. Uh, your performance has been called electrifying and filled with bags of panache. Uh, tell us a bit about how you got here. <laughs> what turned you on to conducting? Yeah, it's it's a very atypical direction to conducting. I, I never wanted to be a conductor when I was younger. However, about 11 years ago, unfortunately, my father passed away. And his favorite piece was Mozart's Requiem. And so I thought, okay, well, I need to do something for my father. I need to come up with something. So I thought, okay, well, I might as well put on a performance of Mozart's Requiem. Who am I going to get to conduct it? Well, I might as well. I've been doing some conducting for the writing for strings class down the hall. So I might as well. And so I put together a choir and an orchestra, all of friends. I knew every single person in the ensemble on a very intimate level. And obviously it was an incredibly somber experience but the rehearsal process and learning a score something that i completely took for granted before and also how incredibly difficult it was and how bad i felt at it as well there were all of these things that relit something in my music making that i didn't realize went out so much that unfortunately somber occasion introduced a new authenticity in my life and it hasn't stopped since. That's an amazing story. And if I'm hearing you right, it's, you know, the fact that you were bad at it or you felt bad at it, I should say, because I wasn't there. I don't know. (laughs) The fact that you felt bad at it, it was the challenge that lit you and made you want to pursue it. Absolutely. Yeah. As a trumpet player, I was, I was quite a confident trumpet player, actually which is the most annoying type of trumpet player. (laughs) And for me, at a certain point, trumpet felt more like an ability to me. And I didn't feel personally that I was able to express anything more 
with it. Now, there are so many of my trumpet playing colleagues that don't have that, that find endless possibilities. And I'm jealous of them endlessly, to be honest. But then I found conducting in the most unlikely of places out of nowhere. And it was almost like I was a child again. It's still difficult. It's still incredibly fun, of course. And I think I'm getting better. I think you're not alone in that thought. <laughs> this concert with the TSO called Screen to Stage features many of the works that TSO musicians had recorded online for audiences in the first months of the pandemic. What does it mean to you to be taking part in this particular gesture of delivering this music with the TSO live? It's quite moving to be able to do this concert with the TSO, um, to be able to present this music to Toronto's audiences. I, I can say that I lived for seven months in Toronto, in large parts because of this um, opportunity with TSO. It's also very strange, too, because that is the bookmark in my life of when life changed. It was being in Toronto, rehearsing Mussorgsky's pictures at an exhibition, and then life was a different thing after that. And so to be able to not close a chapter, but open up a completely new one with the orchestra, with this music, with the audience, most importantly. Yeah, I'm simply excited, really excited, really um, enthusiastic. I just want to get up there. Appalachian Spring by Aaron Copeland was among the first isolation videos of its kind, actually, to come out during lockdown, let alone from the TSO, but worldwide. So it's on the program. It's such a quintessentially American piece of music. And I've often struggled to verbalize what makes it so, but perhaps you as an American can help me with this, if, first of all, you agree. It is quintessentially American. I, I, I do agree. Um, I, I will say also, I remember when that video came out of the TSO with the dancers, the Martha Graham dancers, and I, I remember I just wept and wept and wept when I, um, when I watched that. It is quintessentially American. It, it celebrates the ordinary. It, it, it celebrates the common person. The story of the piece is incredibly simple. It's a couple that's about to get married, and they're a little bit scared for what that means. And there are a lot of people around them that have different opinions. And it's just very simple things. It's not gods. It's not Valhalla. It's not the surreal land of Peleus and Melisande, which is incredibly beautiful and valid, obviously. But it's just two people, maybe they're in love, maybe not, deciding to make a bond, deciding to move forward with their life and be honest about the difficulty about that. There's so much suppression of feelings, at least back in that time, I would imagine. Um, you didn't always wear everything on the sleeve and genuine gestures are always incredibly important to most Americans. But Copeland, I don't know, there's something about him that screams Americana. Well, we're very much looking forward to having you back in Toronto and hearing your work at last with the TSO in the program screen to stage. Uh, Ryan Beckroff, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.